Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast. My name is Jennifer Apple, she, her, and this week's episode is another incredibly important conversation, one that is based off of the ethos of why the Empowered Artist Collective was started to begin with, the conversation around mental health for artists specifically, but really for human beings, especially during the time in which we live. So this week, I talked to the one wonderful Carlita Victoria, who, amongst other things, is the executive director of the Darkness Rising Project, which we talk about in depth in this episode. Carlita could not be more open and brave and vulnerable in the conversation that we have together that you are about to listen to, which hopefully can serve as an example of the way in which we can begin to change the dialogue around mental health, illness, and wellness. With that said, this episode does talk about those issues at length. We also talk about suicide, shame, stigma, medication, therapy, and a brief mention of the police. None of this should scare you off, but just wanting to give you context before you enter into what is a beautiful conversation with a very open human being. Enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. I am here with someone who has been with the AC since the jump, who is one of the most gorgeous, honest, vulnerable, brave, selfless, serving humans that I have, I feel like had the privilege of meeting through this pandemic and over this time, virtually, truly not in person yet. Um, the incredible Carlita Victoria. Hello. Hello. What a nice Wow, what an opening. I mean every word. Like I'm not just like saying it because I want to like blow smoke. I'm really serious. Oh my goodness. That was such a kind opening. Thank yeah. you so much. Take it. Take it. Take it. Well, hi. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here. I am grateful to be here. I'm yeah, schedule's wild, but uh yeah, grateful to be here. I can't believe we have not met in person. It is kind of weird. I know. I've, I have that with a lot of people during this strange time where I feel like I know them or at least I'm a huge fan of them. Like not even from afar. Like I feel like I'm like straight in their DMs being like, you go. But like I also don't really know them. Really creepy times. Creepy times, but also like whatever. I've leaned into it. Um, for those right. listeners who don't know who you are, introduce yourself today. Who are you in this moment? Yeah, um, I am Carlita Victoria. I am an actor, singer, dancer, mental health advocate. Um, I am a person who lives with um, mental illnesses. I am um, a mother. I'm a dog mom. Yes, um, you are. Sister, daughter, and um, I really like uh, cupcakes. <laughs> is there a particular flavor or is it just cupcakes generally? Absolutely. I really like um, red velvet cupcakes. Um, I really like when the cream cheese is in the middle, the center Ooh. of the cupcake. Yes. I Ideally. Yeah. <laughs> do you bake? Absolutely not. Great. Why would I do that when somebody could do it for me <laughs> and I can pay for it? <laughs> no way. I'm not. I don't even know. So you weren't one of those people that like got a sourdough starter and like made, made the bread? Absolutely no. That yeah. is something I would never do. I like if I can pay for convenience, I certainly will. 
Yeah, I think that's why I'm I'm drawn to you because it's like you couldn't you probably couldn't pay me to bake. Like actually, I mean, I remember the one time I made cookies, and by the one time, I mean I don't even remember. Solo tried to make cookies. I used is it again? Like don't know the difference. Baking powder, baking soda, whatever one you're not supposed to use, or I used whatever that one was, and I had what I would call the equivalent of like crisps. They kind of were like the the really messed up version of like a Tate's cookie. Which I like, I, I can mess with the Tate's cookie, but like this one wasn't mm-hmm. even a cookie. It was just like a weird flat thing that never, it was a mess. So just well noted. Red velvet cupcakes, they're great. Good to know. Good to yeah. know. <laughs> um, well, I'm so grateful that you're here. And I wanted to just like kind of jump on in to, I don't know, I don't mean like the state of the world, because that's like we're not here to solve anything, but just how have you been doing given? all of the things in the world? Oh, that is a multi-layered question. Um, I, there are some days that are pretty decent and there are other days that are very, very dark. Yeah. Um, so I am doing, I am doing is the answer, just to be completely honest. Um, Sometimes it feels so heavy that it feels like I don't know what to do. And then I there are also times where I feel like, well, I'm going to do what I know to do. And that's to uh, keep providing more resources through Darkness Rising. Yeah. And that is what I know to do. And the other thing that I know to do is to create art. That's what I know to do. And those are the things that I feel that I can handle and things that I feel capable of. And when I feel like the world is so dark that I can't do anything, I just try to focus on those things. And that's all I got sometimes. Yeah. I feel like this is why I wanted you here for this conversation, because you're somebody who leads by example of owning where they are and then acting from those connected feelings of this is what I am feeling and this is what I need. Obviously, times are hard to potentially do that. And at times we like mess up within that. But I feel like you are somebody who really lives within the honoring of your own boundaries of what you need and attempting to create the space for you to feel the way that you need to feel and live the way that you need to so that you can thrive the best that you possibly can in whatever those given moments are. So I'm curious, do you have like any, for you, is it like a day by day, um, you know, you wake up and you feel how it is and then you move through it? Or is it more like you have a specific structure in place to allow yourself to check in as honestly as you are able to? I, that's a great question. Um, My current structure of how I check in with myself is really um, based on therapy. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the the forced check-in for me yeah. when I literally don't have a choice but to talk about how I'm feeling with someone. Because aside from that, I can, if I wanted to, I could walk around just pretending. Right. And I could tell everyone that I'm doing great and no one would ask me any different because I said I was doing great. And so why would you question that, you know? Um, but my... So that's that's my my weekly force check in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from my force check in that I of course force upon myself because no one also no one yeah. makes me go to therapy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I also do. I voluntarily do self check ins, and so I try to set aside at least one night a week where I turn off my phone mm. and I just spend time with myself, and that is 
very difficult for me because I am a person who's always connected to their phone because mm-hmm. I run a, a, a business and I feel like, oh, something could happen. What if somebody needs something? Mm-hmm. I also have family members. So I'm like, what if someone needs something? So it, it is very difficult. Um, but I make myself do it because I have to. Um, so that is the time that I spend with myself. I also spend time with myself every morning and every night, which is also difficult because I like to be on my phone. Mm -hmm. Um, so I force myself to not look at my phone for the first 30 minutes of the day. And I, I also do a cutoff 30 minutes before bed. Great. That is such a challenge. Let me tell Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) Yeah, no, I have not been successful. Honestly, there, there are sometimes I have like sprints of time where I'm like, oh, I did so great for like these two weeks. And then I'm like, oh, I did not do well at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But during those times, those 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes at night, I am either uh, meditating or just sitting there Mm -hmm. trying not to, you know, doing nothing. Or I am um, sometimes I'm like literally staring at a wall into space, which I, I appreciate that time. Yeah. Um, or I'm praying or listening to music. Yeah. And that's time with myself. I also have, I have just started a gratitude journal. Which one? I, I don't have, wait, are there like journals oh, yeah. that are set aside for this? Oh, oh yeah. I've just been writing it myself. <laughs> no, I mean, do whatever works for you. I've, that's something that I started over the pandemic too, when I was like trying to get more purposefully in touch with what I was feeling and not, and taking a second to center myself. And I use, Mm -hmm. um, I'm obsessed with it. I love it so much. I've talked about it a lot on my social of like the five minute journal. Um, it's literally the same exact prompts every single day, morning and night. And the first thing when you, it's like, so ideally when you wake up and ideally right before you go to bed and it's three things that you're grateful for, um, three things that, uh, would make today great or that you're looking forward to. And then one, like, um, uh, self, um, like affirmation, basically like anything you get to create it for yourself for the day. And then that night it's three highlights of the day and one thing that you learned. And so all it is. And so what I love about it is you can write more, but like on the days that it's really, really, really hard, which there are some days that it's really hard and you wake up and you're like, I do not know what I'm grateful for. You just look over and I see Walter lying next to me, my bet my dog, like sitting in my bed. And I'm like, Walter, oh, I'm alive. Great. <laughs> like, oh, I am breathing. And then I don't have to necessarily expand on that. I've still checked mm-hmm. in with the fact that like these are three things that are very real and tangible that I'm grateful for. And same thing at the end of the day when like you had a really awful hard day, there's still those small little things of, oh, I ate. I remembered to eat like at least one full meal or I took a shower look at me. Or, hey, I uh, remembered to turn my light off when I left for the ha- left the house or whatever. You know what I mean? And so there's just like yeah. this purposefulness of checking in that I love about that particular journal. I know people have other ones that allow them to freeform write a little bit more. Um, but I don't know. That one's – I love that one. I – that one sounds a lot better than what I'm do- I'm doing, which is just writing on my own. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would love prompts. Yeah. You can kind of incorporate it too. I would imagine there, and by imagine, I mean, there's so many different journals that have like space for you to, to write longer. I know for myself, the, like, just even the habit of like starting to write every morning or every night, like the beginning when I first started of that's the first thing I do and the last thing I do or close to it 
was it's a shift of like, oh, right, I have to remember to take this notebook out and sit and do it. And that shift to even purposefully sitting and writing was a huge adjustment and then sticking with it every day. And I think because mm -hmm. there's such short little ones, I was able to make it the consistent habit about it. And they talk about that too in the beginning about how this is like it's a um, scientifically proven thing about like the, the habit of doing it without it being – I don't know if I believe in habits necessarily because that feels forced. But just like the science around sticking with something for so long and trying to make your body and mind and spirit and everything like know to do that. I think it's really – I love it. Yeah. I I love that. Yeah. Okay. All right. I need the link to that. So yes, um, absolutely. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes. I will. Um, you're welcome. Five minute journal intelligence cha <laughs> change. I think is what it's called. But they come in like cute little colors of their notebooks. So like you maybe feel like inspired by a pink or a green or a beige, and maybe like the color of the notebook will make you feel more cute to do it. Um, I love all of that. And frankly, staring at a blank wall, I would imagine allows your brain to do what it needs to do without the distractions of things. So you can probably clear yeah. out or move things around in a, in a way that you're not actually distracted by other stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a wonderful practice. Thank you for sharing that with us. I feel like I want to talk more about what prompted you to, I know we're bouncing around, but I swear there's a reason that what prompted you to start Darkness Rising. Talk to the listeners about what it is and then the journey to creating that because I feel like it's all intertwined with this idea of mental health as, as we're beginning to talk about. Yeah. Um, so I'm the executive director of Darkness Rising and the uh, founder. And Darkness Rising is a 501c3 Black mental health nonprofit and we provide direct resources Direct, direct mental health resources to the Black community. And um, the reason why Darkness Rising was created was because I was, um, and still am, going through uh, a lot of difficult, dark areas in my life. And um, a lot of it was undiagnosed. My, my own mental illnesses were, at that point, undiagnosed. And um, I was spending a lot of time just blaming myself Mm -hmm. And not um, not reaching out to find out what could be going on. Um, and I was hiding from people and from things and avoiding things. And um, uh, I was in a show and um, at a really great point in my career, but I didn't feel um, happy and I felt very empty and in a very dark place. Um, and I uh started to reach out for help and I found it extremely difficult to find a therapist. Mm -hmm. I found it um difficult to find a therapist that I identified with. Um, it was really, really hard to find a black therapist, a black woman therapist it was even harder. It, there was just so many barriers mm -hmm. and then uh barriers with insurance and how do I how do I even even begin the process of finding a therapist and just all of these barriers. And I was in such a dark place. And I was like, I'm two seconds from giving up at any mm -hmm. moment now. I'm like going to be done with this whole thing. And I'll just say it's it's just done. Um, and I was like, it. there's no reason why it should be like this. And I had come to a place where I, I was in such a dark place that I wanted to end my life. And um, no one wanted to see me. No therapist wanted to take me on. They didn't want to help me because they, th they said that I was a liability. And 
I was shocked at how quickly they turned me away. And it took months, I mean, months and months for me to find someone who would see me. Mm. And I thought a lot of people wouldn't even make it to this yeah. next month. I was shocked that I, that I survived that long. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I only survived that long because I was like, well, at least I'll go do my show tonight. I don't want to let my cast down, mm. you know? And that was all that I felt like I had. I And I had a very strong support system with my family and my friends, but I didn't tell any of them. And so they didn't know. So, you know, so I just told myself that I was alone and um, that no one was going to help me. And so I didn't want to reach out for help because when I kept trying, I kept getting turned away. Um, months later, I finally did start seeing a therapist. Um, and I decided that when I started to, to um to get into a better place, I decided that I wanted to help other people who looked like me um, not experience so many of these barriers because I mm -hmm. knew I was like, if this if it's this hard for me to find help, then other people are having the exact same problem. Yeah. And in the black community, we were so rarely discussing mental health and um and I, I just, there are just so many barriers in the way that we discuss it. And there are so many barriers in that, uh, the access that we are given to good mental health care and healthcare in general, um, that I, I was like, I, I want to do something about this. And that's how I started Darkness Rising. And I didn't even initially start it saying, oh, I want to um, create a nonprofit. I never wanted to have a nonprofit. I never thought in a million years mm -hmm. that I would. <laughs> um, I just thought I'm an artist and I want to create something for Black artists. That was my first thought. Um, and I started to, I started by um, just saying, oh, uh, I want to create um, a cover song for people who um, use music as a way to, as a way of uh, lifting their spirits when they're in a dark place. Because for me, music really, really lifted my spirits. And even now music is one of my first go-tos mm. um, when I'm, when I'm in a dark place. Um, so I would find myself listening to some of the same songs over and over again when I, and I'm sure a lot of us do that. Yeah. You know, we have like our, this is like my playlist, this is my breakup <laughs> playlist. <laughs> This is my life. I, I didn't get that job I wanted yeah. playlist. Yeah. This is like, I'm pissed off playlist. Mm -hmm. Like we have our playlist, you know. Um, and so I would find myself going to the same playlist whenever I would find myself in a place where I wanted to end my life. And on that playlist, a lot of that music was from Dear Evan Hansen. And mm -hmm. I hadn't seen the show. I had not seen the show. But the music, I was like, oh, this is what I need. This is going to get me through the next moment. And I've, what I've found is that a lot of, for me at least, um, a lot of what I needed was just to get to the next moment, not even the next day. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if I would make it through the night and make it to the next day, but I knew that if I could just connect moments, if I could get to the next minute and then the next minute and then the next minute, then I could survive the night and I could survive the next day and the next day. And those come out to weeks and then those come out to months. Mm -hmm. And then I'm alive longer and I've made it longer, you know? Um, and I needed that music to help me through because I, nobody would, no therapist would see me. So, okay. In the meantime, I'll listen to music.
Um, and so we started off by, am I talking too long? No. <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is, this is why we're here. No, right. please. Like, no. Keep story. Yeah. I asked, I asked. <laughs> um, so I started off just by reaching out to some friends and asking them if they would help me record a song. Um, also, and, I just want to interrupt you and say, like, yeah. maybe this is like me going on a diatribe, but you deserve to take up the space about your life. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm, I'm maybe it's just for this hour or whatever that we're here, but like, we all that's why you're a human. That's why you're an artist more specifically. And that's certainly why you do the incredible work that you do with your organization that we'll continue talking about. But like, that's literally the purpose of, of <laughs> why we're on this planet. Thank if you, you didn't tell your story as honestly and bravely and openly and generously, frankly, as you do, then like, what is the point? <laughs> like Going back to exactly what you're saying, like if, if I didn't want to sit here and hear your humanity, which is what this is, if these listeners didn't want to sit here and hear your humanity, not that you need the validation, but I just want to give it to you because you deserve it. I appreciate it. Yeah. But like, if that is, that's literally why for me, at least why I want this podcast so that we like, we talk to people and we hear them as people, right? That's like why, that's how I want to exist in the world when I actually talk to people and I say, how are you actually doing? And you don't just say, I'm fine. Like we all know we're mm -hmm. not like, there's a yeah. lot, we're complex. So no, you're not taking up time. And also this is literally like your space in this moment. So like own your time. <laughs> Again, oh, you don't need you. my permission, but no, I appreciate you affirming that. I really do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we went into the studio and we were going to just do one song from Dear Evan Hansen, um, Waving Through a Window, mm. which is often what I feel like in my life. I'm just on the outside of things. And no matter how far on the inside other people think I am, I always feel like I'm on the outside. Um so we were going to just record that one song and we were rehearsing for it. And I was listening to all of their amazing voices and they were just, I mean, I was just weeping while we were in rehearsal because there's something about hearing your friends and your support system singing to you and you know, they're singing to you mm -hmm. and they're singing the words that have helped you survive the worst mm -hmm. nights of your life. Um, that just, it really inspired me. And I was like, well, we're already in rehearsal. Let's add more songs. Yes, you did. So <laughs> yes, you did. And the next thing I know, we had a full album. We recorded a full album with just amazing Broadway singers, these incredible voices. And somehow they managed to get me to sing too. And yes. <laughs> yes. And um, the process of doing that we documented the process on video as well. And it's, um, it just reminded me that people are good. Everyone did that for free. Like they, they volunteered to give a, a big part of themselves uh, to that album. And so that we can make that album available for, for other people who are going through dark days mm -hmm. and dark nights. Um, and we spent so much time and money doing that, that I was like, oh, well, we should do a concert. Mm -hmm. We decided to do a concert um, and to put, uh, give the proceeds of the concert to a black um, mental health organization. 
Um, so we did. We had our very first Darkness Rising live. And um, and then uh, at that concert, we had Black mental health providers come to the concert, speak, and provide resources uh, to the Black community. And so many, I got so many DMs, so many emails, so many people who came up to me at the concert and said, I thought that I was just coming to a concert mm-hmm. to see Broadway singers perform. I never expected all of this. And I'm going to go home and have a conversation now with my family about mental health. Wow. And I received emails after the concert. Hey, I reached out to a therapist. I'm going to, I'm about to start therapy. So many and and other questions. Hey, do you have any other resources for us? Do you have suggestions for a therapist that I can reach out to? Are you familiar with any databases? Just a lot of questions. And I realized that there was this huge need in our community and that a lot of us don't know where to begin. Um, And then we decided to become a nonprofit and to start providing these resources ourselves and also to connect with um, the organizations that are already providing these resources and the community leaders and the um, and the mental health providers that are already providing these resources and to, to start these, um, you know, genuine partnerships so that we can provide resources. And we are now five years later. We're celebrating our five-year anniversary. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And we are a, 50, a 501c3 nonprofit and we have partnered with a wealth of amazing organizations that provide uh, direct mental health resources. And now we provide our own uh, direct mental health resources. We provide resources like the Help Me Find a Therapist program where we connect Black people to Black therapists Um all of our, all of these resources are free. We now have the Rebuild program, which is a program for BIPOC, formerly incarcerated people, um, to connect them to BIPOC therapists, and we also pay for their therapy. Hmm. Um, and that is only we're only able to do that with donations and grants that we've been given. Now we can pay for therapy. Therapy is so expensive, yeah, and that's why most people it's a barrier. Um, I wouldn't be able to afford therapy were it not for my therapist giving me a huge discount. Shout out to her. Yeah. Um, and now I can afford therapy, but a lot of people can't. Uh, so we just started creating these resources because um, we realized people, we, we can't just do this alone. We need other people and we need a sense of community and we need to keep these resources free. Y'all, the work that Darkness Rising is doing is incredible. Also, you just had like uh like a dating mixer recently. Like y'all are doing y'all are doing all the things. So I just want to like uh, this obviously Darkness Rising will be linked in our show notes, but do yourself a favor and check out the work that they're doing and support in whatever way that you possibly can, just because it's just it really is so beyond mission-based um and truly from a purpose of serving. And thank you for sharing so openly about your story and the origin of it because it's clear that that it exists because of something that's so personal to you and um therefore it's not surprising to me that you're five years into it in the best way possible and some of these grants that you've gotten and the people who have shouted y'all out are just wildly awesome and it's it's just great to see you thriving and getting the recognition and the organization getting the recognition that it so deserves because of the work that it's doing 
I wanted to ask for those people, for example, who are either A, not um, part of the Black community or don't necessarily have, say, health insurance in general if they are Black, like where does one, how does one begin that process of the conversation in terms of if you find a therapist, how do you ask them for, say, sliding scale or is that a thing? Or if, you know, you are not someone who could perhaps use the resources that you provide, where else can they look, the twofold? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the first step um, to finding a therapist is to ask yourself what kind of therapist you're looking for. So um, my first suggestion would be to spend some time with yourself and asking yourself, um, what do I need in a therapist? What am I looking for out of therapy? And it's also possible you may not be able to answer those questions. Mm -hmm. Also fine, that shouldn't stop you. That shouldn't uh, stop you from seeking a therapist. Um, in terms of people who um, do not have insurance, uh, my first suggestion would be to reach out to therapists and ask them if they do sliding scale, and many do. Um, I suggest for people who are not black and or not BIPOC, um, who don't, who aren't necessarily able to use Darkness Rising's resources, I would suggest going to psychologytoday.com. And on Psychology Today, you can filter, uh, there are so many filters where you can put in exactly what you're looking for in terms of would you like for them to be able to serve the LGBTQIA community? Um, are you looking for someone who speaks a, a certain language? Um, are you looking for someone who, um, there, there are a lot of filters. You can put in sliding scale. You can put in a set price. You can put in, um, it gives you price ranges that you can also put in as well. Um, and then if you do have insurance, you can also uh, filter out uh, therapist by your insurance to help you uh, to help find a, a therapist that way. Uh, Psychology Today also includes pictures of therapists, which I find especially helpful, especially for people of color who are looking for a person of color, because we want, I want to see a black woman who looks, you know, I want to see a black woman. I'm like, oh, boom, she looks cool. I want her. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I feel like that's 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 really helpful. Um, so those are the first steps that I would take. A lot of people also, um, you can go to, if you do have insurance, you can go through your insurance's website and look for a therapist that way. I don't suggest that way as much because they don't have pictures of a therapist. And a lot of people, we want to see a picture of our therapist. Um, on Psychology Today, there's also a link usually to the therapist's website where you can go and read more about them, what they do, um, the type of, uh, the methodology that they use, uh, their phone number, their uh, their email address. You can email them directly from the Psychology Today website. That's also super helpful. Um, there's a contact page, uh, all of those things. Um, in terms of when you set up your first consultation with that therapist. I was gonna just ask you that, yep. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. After Perfect. you reach out to the therapist through phone or email or however you end up reaching out to them. Um, and also, I should say that a lot of therapists directly on their website, you can set up a free 15-minute uh, consultation. You can set it up directly on their website. Um, and that just makes the process super easy. Um, after you have set up this consultation, some of the questions that I would ask uh, the therapist are, are A, check in on their license, make sure that they are licensed. On Psychology Today, they do verify licensure, so you are all set there. Um, 
but um, finding out what type of license they have. There are some uh, licensed professional counselors. There are some social workers. Always knowing what type of license they have is also going to be very important. Um, knowing what state they're in and what state they can serve. Because of the pandemic, a lot of people have moved to different areas. And so there, may, there might be a, a therapist who lives in Virginia, but serves people in California. So it's always important to ask the therapist uh, what state they're licensed in to know that before you even proceed with the process. Uh, once you're in the consultation, asking them questions like, do you accept my insurance? Do you offer sliding scale? Um, if you offer sliding scale, what is your sliding scale rate? Sometimes a therapist might even ask you, what are you able to pay? And just honestly keeping it real with them. I told my therapist, listen, I am on a budget. This is all, this is all I can afford. <laughs> and yeah. she works with me. Just being like super honest, just to give people an idea of, of average rates. Um, I would say that based on all the research that I have done and in connecting people over the years to therapists, many therapists charge between $180 to $200 a session. Yeah. At minimum. At minimum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At minimum. For, for a lot of us, that is, I cannot afford that. Yeah. Right. And that's too much. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. um, so for a lot of us, that can be a, a very big barrier. So that's, that's if a therapist doesn't take insurance, right? Um, if they take insurance, often the copay is somewhere like $25 to $50, right. which is more reasonable for, for more people. Um, there are some therapists who charge who might charge anywhere down to like $80. $80 a month, I'm mean, sorry, $80 a week for a month still adds up. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I say do not hesitate to ask for a discount. Yeah. Do not hesitate. Let the therapist know where you are and what what you're able to do and see if they will help you financially. Um, what are your thoughts on, say, the the app ones that came out? Uh, I have thoughts. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> the face <laughs> the face that Carlita just made right now when I asked that was, was everything. Um, I will say this. Sometimes for some people, I, I have heard great things. I have heard that they, they have, these apps have been very helpful for them. Um, there are some people who uh, feel more comfortable having therapy um, through text message. Like they want to be able to just text their therapist and leave it at that. Some of the, some of the apps allow for texting. Some of the apps allow for video. Some of the apps allow for uh, phone conversations. I will say that no matter what, if you choose to do an app, no matter what app you choose, always vet your therapist. Make sure that you have done your due diligence in making sure that the license is um, current um, and that if you are not happy with a therapist, that you move on to a different therapist. Never, never, never feel like you must stay with, and this is for apps or, or outside of apps, never stay with a therapist because you feel like you have to because you do not. It is your therapy. It is your therapy session. And just like dating, you can move on to the next relationship. Yep. Yep. I had to break up with a therapist once and it was, I've never done that. I've been in therapy basically my whole life. <laughs> and, and I, like I, it was a very strange 
thing to like break up with somebody that at this point we had had a relationship and like the trust was kind of broken and that was even mm-hmm. harder because it was like wait and I'm breaking up with somebody personal to me but it really is that I mean if you want to be able to do the work and to open up your heart and your life to somebody and to really dig into perhaps trauma and things that are even unknown and subconscious like it needs to be the epitome of somebody you want to be spending your time with even if it's challenging um even though that can be very hard to say no, but yes. yeah, sometimes you have, sometimes you just have to walk away. I've done mm-hmm. it. And there, you know, some, some therapists are there for you for a year and some therapists will be there for you for longer. It just depends. Your needs will change and that's, mm-hmm. that's fine. And therapists will also be very understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I have heard mixed reviews, I have not personally done the apps. Neither have I. I have heard mixed reviews. I've heard wonderful things and I've heard really bad things about various apps um I would say it the experiences will range person to person and always make sure that you vet the therapist yourself and that you um you make your needs known and that if you feel unsafe at any moment let let them know and move on to someone else yeah thank you for all of those resources that's incredibly helpful um I'm curious now about this. There's this, I'm going to say it. There's like the stigma around mental health and talking about it. Um, And although it definitely has, for all intents and purposes, it's been lessened now that there's, as in lesson, as in like we turn the dial down, (laughs) not like a lesson, Um, lessened, um, you know, with, with how many more resources there seem to be with various, you know, apps and all of that. But there is still the stigma around something that is internal that you can't see when you look at somebody and identify, oh, they have a mental illness or um, some, they're going through something. What are your thoughts first generally about the stigma around it? Which I know is very layered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there, it, the, the stigma still exists and it, yeah. and the fact that mental health is like trendy now and like, you know, that doesn't take away the fact that there still is very much real stigma um, surrounding it. And Mm -hmm. people, you know, people will say to they are blue in the face, oh, reach out, reach out, reach out. But when you do, then what? Mm -hmm. Right. Or, oh, don't be afraid to say that you, that you're in need. But when, but when I do, the reaction is like, oh, positive vibes only, you know, um, there's every time I tell someone out loud that I'm depressed, I do worry, oh, will they judge me? Depending on who it is, will they judge me? Will they bring this up later? Will they throw mm-hmm. this in my face? Will they keep a record of this? You know, mm-hmm. um, me talking about my mental illnesses publicly was terrifying right? because I know there's public records of them and that if something were to ever happen to me, if I were to ever have a run-in with a police officer, if I, uh, if I end up dead for some reason, will they say, yeah, God forbid, will will they say, oh, well, you know, she has a history of mental illness. So, Mm. you know, um, will I be taken seriously? Well, you know, I I always have to wonder those things. So Mm -hmm. I have to make it very clear that if I ever have a run with the police, you can be 100% guaranteed that I did not kill myself. Like I have to make that very clear because I don't ever want for 
for anyone to be able to say, well, she had a history of mental illness, so she might have. No, she did not. Um, I, I also have to wonder, will, will this change how, you know, casting for me? Will people not want to yeah. hire me? Well, that's my um, next they- question. You can feel it. You can feel into it, like how this perhaps impacts you as an artist or in the artistic sphere and creating and all of that too with said stigma. So yeah, keep going. Yeah. I often, I often wonder those things. And then I eventually, I eventually just decided I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And it is what it is. Um, but I do always wonder because I remember I was on a, I was on a contract one time and I had not been diagnosed at this time, but I had a castmate who had been diagnosed um, with a mental illness and she shared that with the cast. And she said that she didn't have access to her medicine. And I heard one of our other castmates say, somebody get her her crazy pills quick. And I'll never forget that. I will never forget that they said that. Um, And I thought to myself, hmm, that's, I was like, don't call them crazy pills. Mm -hmm. I was like, this person has has become vulnerable with us and let us know that she doesn't have access to her medicine. And today is a rough day for her. So- you calling them crazy pills that all that does is increase the stigma and make her feel unsafe exactly. in sharing this information with us. Mm-hmm. And we, it's, it's, it's rough because for as much as people want to publicly say, um, Oh, I support and help people who, you know, are, are mentally unwell. Most of us do not. Most of us are not ready for the conversation and most of us cannot handle it when someone is honest with us and says, I'm struggling. Um, I was, uh, I was taking a class. I'm I'm a certified mental health instructor, first aid instructor. And I was taking a class and we had to watch a video where um, a, a woman was having a conversation with a stranger and the stranger said, you know, the usual, oh, how are you? And she said, I'm doing, re- I'm not doing well at all. I'm doing really badly. And, and we had to watch the various strangers reactions mm. because people expect you to just say, I'm fine. Right. Oh, I'm good. Having a great day. No one expects you to say I'm having a terrible day. Right. Um, or I'm extremely depressed. So I just started, I just started telling people the truth. I just started posting online. Mm-hmm. You're going to get what you're going to get. I mean, in a way that doesn't dump on people, right? right. I, I know who I can feel safe with and I mm-hmm. know I'm, I'm not going to dump on, you know, strangers and, you know, um, but I, I want for my social media to be honest, mm-hmm. you know, I want for I want to be able to be as transparent as possible because I know that if I'm transparent, then maybe the next person can be transparent yeah. too. Yeah. Um that's just and I also know that I don't expect for everyone to be to do that. I don't expect I I have friends who I know have mental illnesses and I don't expect for them to go online and post I have a mental illness. Everybody doesn't have to do that. It's what mm-hmm. I've chosen to do. It's what I feel that I can do in order to hopefully make the path better for someone else. But I don't expect for everyone to feel safe to do that because we're not in a world where everyone can feel safe to do that Mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. Do you find that when, do you find at least now that people perhaps are more aware of your 
you know, founding of Darkness Rising and how open and vocal you are, that you have interacted with, say, casting or different rooms talking about it through your process a bit more transparently or is it or like that they're aware of it and you like is that something that ever comes up while you're in the process that is a great question it has not come up in with casting while I'm in the process Mm -hmm. it has come up and then not know about it for sure (laughs) Um, but it has not come up in terms of us having a discussion while I'm in the room or anything like that however I have talked to my agent about it at great length great so I have a new agent and I'm just very honest with her because with my previous agent, I didn't feel as safe to do so. And so I, I told her, I was like, Hey, I had a panic attack while I was in the middle of the audition. And that's why I didn't go well. Great. I just told I, her. I love that though. I mean, like that is your team, <laughs> another, another relationship that not only are you paying them, but, and they make money only when you make money, but also it's your team. It's who you've decided to spend time with and trust with your career. And it's like, if you don't feel like you could talk to them about things that are a part of who you are as a human being, then who is supposed to support you as you continue on your craft? I love that you finally found somebody who you could share that with. That's me. They too, sound awesome. Because, <laughs> yes. Yes, she's great. I, a big part of it also with my previous um, agent was that I didn't feel like they were as understanding about the fact that I needed my emotional support animal with me on contracts. Yeah. And so if I cannot bring my emotional support animal, I'm not going. Right. Um, because she's not only my emotional support animal, she's also a psychiatric service animal. Mm-hmm. So she's legally allowed to be there. And never should there be a contract that is negotiated without my dog in the contract because I've informed you, (laughs) right? I've informed you already that she's a legal service animal. And so that should, that should always be within the process. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want to have to fight for my dog to be there. It should just be understood that my dog will be present there. Yeah. Um, And I, I feel like when you find when you find a team that understands and is willing to do um, to do the work and it's honestly just a conversation <laughs> um, saying to casting, hey, she has a service animal, so she'll need to bring her service animal. Cool. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, and if casting is unwilling is is denying your service animal, then that's a decision that you have to make for yourself. Am I going to take this job? Or am I going to not take this job? Um, And it's very difficult. And it's also unfair that Mm -hmm. um, I've been in that situation. And this is a really unfair decision for a person to have to make. Um, I've also been in that situation and I've seen, I've arrived and other people have had animals there. And I've been like, oh, so Mm. is this a service animal or is this a pet? Because it doesn't. I, my service animal is at home. Why is right. my service animal not here? Why was I denied my service animal? Mm. You know? Um, and those are the things that have to be changed. These are, right. these are, you know, things within the system that need to be changed um, where people who have service animals should have priority over the housing that allows for animals. Mm. Mm. And I don't understand why it's different. 
what would you say to somebody who is newer or greener at all of this and doesn't want to ruffle feathers and the contract is offered and they're really excited about the possibilities and yada, yada, yada. Is it just the personal decision of, I know what my non-negotiables are and I just have to hold by them. And if this isn't what I get, then I need to make that choice. Or is it a matter of like build, sticking it through and building it up? I know the answer to this, but I want to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> I believe that for me at least, and, and my advice to other people is that you do have to make the decision for yourself. Ultimately, mm -hmm. it comes down to what you feel like you can handle during the contract. Do you feel like you can go six weeks without your service animal? Or do you feel like it's going to be really bad for your health and your mental health? Yeah. Um, you, you don't have to make yourself a martyr for other people and say, hey, I'm going to give up all these things so that, you know, um, so it does ultimately come down to, you know, person to person. Yeah. Um, I am, am fighting for people who are greener. I'm fighting so that these things can change. I'm working with organizations um, like um, Broadway for Racial Justice who are fighting. They're, they're fighting for these things to change and they're, they're helping to create new rules. Um, and so those, those are things that I'm hoping that will change over time. Um, and so I, I don't want people to feel like they have to take on that fight entirely themselves. And, and it's, it's sad that we even have to have this conversation, but it's, Correct. it's, it's something that has come up for me many times. Yeah. Um, also just going back to what you were, your, the question that you were asking about, um, has it, have things come up in the room for me with mm -hmm. casting? Although the conversation itself about my mental health has never come up with casting, um, aside from one time I was in an audition and I did have um, someone from casting say, oh, love what you're doing with Darkness Rising. And that was a great experience. Cool. Um, <laughs> yes. Love that. Um, yeah, that, that was a really wonderful experience. Um, but aside from that, no one has ever asked me um, about my mental illnesses or how they impact me while I'm on a stage or in rehearsals or anything like that. I have had many times uh, panic attacks while in the room, um, in the middle of a song. Um, and I have not ever said out loud to casting, I just had a panic attack or I'm in the middle of a panic attack or I've never said the words uh, to anyone, often because I can't get the words out to say. Yeah. Um, and so it, I, when that happens, um, I, I, of course, I always leave feeling defeated every time that happens. And I have been in this 10 year battle with myself to try to manage panic attacks that happen in the room. Um, so because I don't want to leave feeling disappointed in myself or feeling like it was my fault or feeling like because I know that I have mental illnesses and I can't sit around blaming myself and telling myself, Carlita, it's your fault that you had a panic attack because you didn't A, B or C. Hmm. Um, and I don't want that to be my story of me blaming myself. Um, so what I've done is I've arranged my team of my therapist, my agent, my support system, um, and have tried to create this pathway for myself to try to give myself the 
best possible route to an audition that I can feel proud of, no matter if I book the job or not. I love that. Um, And a a lot of that right now is medication. Mm -hmm. I'm now on a, um, I'm on a, an audition medication. Like a beta blocker type of audition? Like beta blocker. Yes. Okay. I'm on a beta blocker that I can't take for dancing because it it can impact the way I dance, but I, I, I do take it right before I go sing. So what I do now is I'll go in, I'll dance. After I dance, as soon as I dance, I'll pop that beta blocker in. It takes about 20, 30 minutes. And um, this is, of course, in hopes that we're not going straight into sing. But mm-hmm. even if we're going straight into sing, I'll pop that beta blocker anyway. I hope that it, <laughs> hope that it works fast. <laughs> or it works after the fact and you're feeling all right after, exactly. no matter what you won. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Period. Um, so, yeah, I'll pop that beta blocker in and it will give me a sense of calm. Mm-hmm. Um, I have also tried CBD oils. Yeah. I've also tried CBD gummies. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of us are, for me, it's been this 10 year, like, let's try and see if it works. Let's try and see if it works. Let's try meditation, see if it works. Let's try, you know, let's try um, a, a new audition routine, see if that works. A new morning routine, a new, a new af- after audition routine, and just um, plotting the points and seeing, the, connecting the dots and seeing what is the best possible process for me, because it's going to be different for all of us. And it it doesn't necessarily change. I mean, I'm either going to get the job or I'm not. Yeah. But what I what I want is I want to walk away from the audition and feel like I feel good about what I did. And I feel mm-hmm. at peace about what I did. That's mm-hmm. what I want. I want to feel at peace while I'm in the room. I don't want to feel antsy and like I'm freaking out. I want to feel at peace in the room and I want to feel at peace when I leave the room. Those are my goals. I love that. I love that. Um. As we wind down our time, I can talk to you forever. Um, as we wind down our time, is there a piece of advice or something that you want people to know about, or maybe like you wish that you knew when you were maybe starting out about perhaps any of the topics that we've talked about, which we've bounced around a little bit, but any of the things we've talked about today? I wish that I had known how powerful I was. Mm. So my advice to other people starting or 10 years in is never forget how powerful you are and never forget that what you have nobody else has amen amen um thank you so much for again how open and honest and vulnerable and brave and giving and generous you are as a soul and as a person and as an artist and i um I'm hopeful that people listen to this and channel their own inner power of that within themselves and begin to feel more confident to share as openly as you have. Um, I'm so grateful for the ways in which you've been a part of EAC the whole time thus far (laughs) and um, hopefully going forward. And I cannot wait to continue uplifting you and darkness rising in whatever way we can. Um, thank you for all of this. Um, what is within your boundaries, the best way for people to reach you or, uh, stay in contact with you or your organization? First, thank you so much. 
I'm very grateful. Um, The best way to reach us is uh, through our website, darknessrisingproject.org. You can also email us at info at darknessrisingproject.org. If you have an idea, if you have an idea for resources that we should include on our website, you can find uh, links where you can send us resources and send us ideas. Um, Following us at Darkness Rising Project on Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter at Dark Rise Project. We would love to be in community with you. So please join the conversation on uh, social media as well. We would love that. We do have wellness workshops, monthly wellness workshops, and they're always free. Everyone is invited to those and we would love to see your face there as well. Darkness Rising Live is coming up this summer. Yes. Be there. It's going to be amazing. Um, So please stay tuned for news about that too. Amazing. Carlita is a reminder to me about the beauty in each of us and how our individual stories are what makes us each who we are and the way in which the impact of sharing these stories with others can be a ripple effect and hopefully change other people's lives. I'm so grateful to Carlita for having this brave conversation and frankly for the work that she's doing with Darkness Rising Project. All of the information is in the show notes. Please check out the work that they are doing and support if it speaks to you. And if you have not yet done so, please follow us on Instagram at Empowered Artist Collective, on TikTok at Empower Artist Collective. Feel free to check out more on our website at empoweredartistcollective.com or shoot us an email at empoweredartistcollective at gmail if you have any sorts of feelings, thoughts, emotions that you want to share with us. Those are always super, super welcome. And before I wrap up, you know what I'm going to ask of you. Please like, rate, review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Reviewing us lets us reach other people who also want to be listening to conversations like this one. Also invite your friends because it's just so much more fun listening with people that you love. And as always, if none of this is up your alley, just let it slide. If it is, we will see you back here again next week. Until then.